Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to the Squid Rugby World Cup Retrospective. The... Rugby podcast that has had multiple cracks at this intro, and it's just going to leave it at this because this is as good as it's getting. I'll edit out the first two hundred takes you did of that. <laughs> yeah, you've got, and we'll just take that one. Rock and roll, there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was forgetting the name of my podcast before Grav even started. Um, <laughs> I am, yeah, delighted as ever to be joined by Mr. Willowen. How are you doing? You're delighted to be joined by me. That I'm delights delighted. me in return. Over the moon. I can think of a few places that I would rather be than talking to you about Scotland v Portugal from 2007. But Likewise. doubly so. Doubly delighted from the Scottish Rugby Pod, blog, etc. And Fife. Um, it's Johnny <laughs> McGinty. Hello. Nice to see you. Can I just How say are you doing? Way, I'm very good. I've, I've never been on a podcast that you host before. And my favourite thing will always be that every single person who does any podcast, and I do it, I'm as guilty as anybody else, will like slip into presenter voice. So like we, <laughs> yeah. we had like we had a couple of minutes of chat there and you were just like chatting away normally and then you press the record button and go, hello and welcome to the Switch <laughs> Rugby Podcast. Brilliant. I love you it. Can't, you can't help it, can you? you and can. there's always that little bit of like, like there's something at the back of your spine that sticks up a bit and it's like slightly more upright the whole way through the conversation. You've got to kind of like ease your way back out of it so you can be casual again. It's a nightmare. Um, I'm also slightly ill at the minute and I'm sort of, I took like a bunch of painkillers right before we started recording. So the chances may get very loose very quickly. That's, that's the, so we'll see where this goes. Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yourself Look, if you lose your voice, just like type or speak in sign language and stuff. And between me yeah. and Johnny, we'll interpret yeah. We'll so there out. was once when I was I I had a whole thing. I had a like thing with my chest. It was all a bunch of stuff. I had like a very minor heart thing. It was nothing. It's whatever. Uh, but basically, the result was I had to spend two days on very heavy painkillers. And I, you would not believe, you've never seen someone laugh so much at Jennifer Aniston movies as I did the <laughs> next two days. And I don't. I am not a fan of Jennifer Aniston. I am not a fan of her as a as an actress. Not yet. A, a Maybe a few person. more painkillers. <laughs> but that's it. Like I suddenly found myself watching a Jennifer Aniston movie. I was like, "This is so funny." I'm just going to watch the more. Terrible one with Vince Vaughn in it. Oh, the what is that? Called? No, is that the Christmas? No, that's no. It's the like, oh relationship break. It's called the breakup. Actually, it might just the, breakup. the breakup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did end up, I watched that the next day when I was like, I want more Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I had this like 24 hour Jennifer Aniston binge. Um, the, it was like following one bit that everyone said was funny where uh, she goes, my sister's been through a lot. And Vince Vaughn goes, yeah, of dick. Like that's the only thing I remember from that whole film. <laughs> They're talking about like whose who's siblings more promiscuous or something. You notice right. Robbie's already started giggling at it. This is oh, look, you're mate. about to enter your prime opportunity to actually enjoy friends for the first time ever. You realise that. <laughs> she she's no Reese Witherspoon, but Fact. as far as rom com stars of the early noughties go, 
right? We're looking Reese Witherspoon, Matthew McConaughey. Then, like, then there's a bit of a, a bit of a dip. But currently, Jennifer Aniston places, whereas normally she wouldn't. Is my take. <laughs> Am I right in saying that Reese Witherspoon's indefinitely, maybe, possibly my favourite of a rom com? It's oh. definitely maybe even the one I'm thinking of. Oh, definitely, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The definitely one, maybe it's good. Like a, it's, it's like political staffers the, and stuff, isn't it? Wait, no, it's definitely maybe the... Uh, I'm normally very good. Is, is that the, the one that with Ryan definitely Reynolds? definitely is the one I'm thinking of. It's got Ryan Reynolds in it. But uh, I don't think Reese Witherspoon... I don't think is she, she is. in it? Maybe, maybe she featured on the Oasis album, definitely, maybe. It's That's where you're getting confused. <laughs> is it Elizabeth Banks is in it, as I remember? Yeah, Rachel Vice And it's like, it. yes, it's, it's Ryan Reynolds like telling it to his daughter yeah abigail breslin yeah. is the daughter and yeah abigail breslin, yes. is in it. there's a oh isla fisher how could i forget isla fisher isla fisher that's that's very upsetting that that's just happened to me i'm not gonna lie but no reese <laughs> witherspoon is not in it i could this is a fun fact to learn i could very easily in fact probably easier than doing old world cups have done a full podcast on reese witherspoon's filmography i have seen almost everything she's ever been in and I think she's excellent. Should we um, add it to the queue of podcasts we have to do yes, when, when we'll we finish get to all of the World Cups? We'll get <laughs> yeah. to that. So we'll go through. We're doing all the World Cups. We're then doing all yeah. the we're doing all the Women's World Cups, all the Sevens World Cups. Yeah, we're doing all the, league the 1987 World Cups. Premiership that we yeah. promised at some point. Yeah, there's uh, a couple the, of domestic leagues. All right, rugby league squidge. <laughs> Leave it. Out. I've got. To, I've got <laughs> to get it in there. I've got to make sure you don't forget. I love rugby league. And then we'll eventually get to the film podcast that we've been doing yeah. for a long time. Don't forget that you've got to prove that your mythical mixed men's and women's 15 could beat a team from Mars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, well, like, this... I wouldn't have swapped your week for anything in the world. See, when I started saying that stuff, <laughs> I was just like, what is wrong with you people? Honestly. It, the thing that people have failed to realise is that we haven't actually arranged any fixtures for this team. And between yeah. you and me, we don't actually really intend to. It kind <laughs> of it kind of doesn't matter. It's kind of just something we're doing for fun because it's it's nice to kind of celebrate these players. It's but almost like it's like, completely arbitrary. People keep complaining like, oh, why haven't you picked Jacob Stockdale on the wing or whatever? Be like, but the wingers I've picked the ones that are available for the fixtures we've signed up. Like, we can't, they're, they're busy. They're professional players. Like you can't just get a Dream Barbars team out every week. You know, it's Jacob a nightmare. He's got Zebri that week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got to knock the high ball on and then not score a try there. And Come besides, on. who said we're playing the superpower of Mars? We might have a warm-up game against Neptune first. <laughs> we've got to try out some new combinations, such as Flula and Vernier. <laughs> hey, James Haskell is playing for Uranus. Pants, 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 pants. That is one of the better Haskell-related puns because it doesn't involve the word ruck or flanker. So <laughs> yes. that's that's impressive. I mean, Putting the usually they're more in rugby. Usually they're more rugby-based rather than like intergalactic-based. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's pretty good. It, you know, it's a work in progress as a genre, but my EP is dropping soon. My James Haskell space techno EP. I it's, don't know where this is going. It's um, you know, the worst thing about that is, if you made a James Haskell space techno EP, he would fucking play it in one of his terrible Dubai DJ sets and everyone <laughs> would have to listen to it. He either would or he'd be so insulted that he keeps mentioning it in interviews for another 20 years, just as he has been everything Lee's ever said about it. He's, look, he's the one man I've ever seen try and cause beef with Andrew Ford. In fact, no, he's one of two. He's one of two. And the other one is Julian Savia. 
Oh yeah. Julian, he put up a video saying Julian Savio was amazing, like on top world class form from 2011 to 2015. And he replied saying like, "Bro, what the fuck are you on about? Like, I'm still at my best. I'm still like a world class player." And like went off at him for it. Imagine getting told you're one of the best players in the world for a four year spell and going, "Actually, that's not good enough." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's truly bizarre. A very easy start to the the men who have beef with Andrew Ford list, but uh, it's not quite the same as what we have. That's where we have the edge over Andrew, and it's the only area where we have the edge over Andrew. That's the weird thing is I think there's probably a lot of players who hate me, but they keep it to themselves. <laughs> Whereas Andrew's had two come out very publicly. Yeah, I wonder how many people hate like. Well, the thing is, no one hated Gareth Mason because he was the most wonderful and lovely man in the world. It's impo- It's f- humanly um, impossible. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't know what people's relationship with Connor from Wibble Rugby. This is a whole other tangent. Um, <laughs> let's let's try and pit all of the uh, other rugby YouTubers against each other to start the podcast. <laughs> why don't we? Well, you know, like there's there's one I know definitely has a problem with me, but that's fine. I would have a problem with me as well if I wasn't. In fact, I do have problem. This is where should we go back to talk about Reese Witherspoon? Um, <laughs> I'm slowly oh, losing uh, my Jimmy mind. Batty I apologise to, to you. Fight with uh, John from our podcast. On really? Who did? Who did? Yeah, Jamie Batty. No. Yeah. What's yeah. the story there? If you don't um, mind telling. Well, basically, John started it because John's a real uppity shitbag. Basically, <laughs> it's essentially <laughs> how it started. Glasgow put their team sheet out for the bath game, and John, being John, just replied to Glasgow's tweet saying, what the fuck is this absolute binge-juice team? Uh, I can't believe you're not taking this competition seriously. We're paying for season tickets or something along those lines. And, and Jamie Batty replied, just be like, what the fuck, mate? Like, why are you saying that? <laughs> and the weird thing is, and John had basically said, oh, apart from about three or four people, we're sending the total shags down to this game in, in Bath and it's a disgrace and we, we're like making a mockery of the tournament. And Jamie Batty obviously was one of the people who he wasn't considering like a total shags team yeah it was like yeah. it was like jamie batty huge uh, hugh jones was in, like he was tagged hugh as well jones. i don't know whether glasgow had tagged him or whether jamie batty tagged like snitch tagged <laughs> him in to say look at this guy but yeah like jamie batty and hugh jones were the ones who obviously were the like three or four frontline players and jamie batty was like oh thanks mate that's like that's really spurred us on it's given us great confidence and like really really helping us go, go into the game and john's like what the fuck <laughs> That does actually, yeah, no, work. that is almost exactly how my encounter with James Hook went, um, which I must have told this story You've told several before. times on the pod. Yeah. yeah. See, and... I would have been able to have myself going, well, I'm actually a professional analyst, James, and my job is to break <laughs> down who's playing well and who's not, and you fucking weren't, so... <laughs> Wait, I was supporting said... the team, I was just pointing out that you weren't playing very well. And that was it. He said, like, oh, you call yourself an Osprey supporter. And I went, I went, I went all the way down to London to watch you lose by 50 points to Saracens at the weekend. And he went, oh, okay, did you? And that, 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 that ended that thread of conversation. Uh, we will definitely get onto this later once we finally start talking about the game. Snitch taggers are my fucking least favorite thing in the world. Mm. <laughs> I do not like it. Should we, should we move on to a bit of the game then? Should we move? In that direction, at least. Sure. Um, Slowly. Gravity towards it. So this is Portugal's first ever appearance at the Rugby World Cup. First time they'd ever made it. First time they'd ever qualified. Their second ever game against Scotland. Scotland had beaten them 85-11 in World Cup qualifying in 1998 for the 99 tournaments. That was the only game between them before. Portugal had improved since then. They'd qualified in in the last spot, beating Uruguay. 
to qualify right at the end. So it was quite a, you know, it was quite a, a huge achievement for them, but very much their goal was just achieving and turning up. You, um, you, they were you very, very proud anthem. to be there. Like, what yeah, was. good God, we'll get to the anthem, but <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. And like the aggregate score in those two, the home and away games against Uruguay for the last place was 24-23. Like it was really tight. Like they just snuck into this competition and like they hadn't had a particularly good lead in year to it as well. They'd kind of put together like one really big performance to come back and beat Uruguay, snuck into the World Cup. And yeah, it meant the world to them to be there, to get there for the first time. Kind of their their whole World Cup was played in those two games against Uruguay to qualify rather than in the tournament itself, I think it's fair you, to say. You could sort of but tell they, they were just so proud to be, to be there. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they definitely like enjoyed themselves through this game. As I say, we'll get on to aspects of quite how that all happened, but I think they were actually quite a pleasure to watch throughout this because there was a real sense of them trying to build, like as the game went on, and a sense of yeah. like them learning by playing against a much better opposition. And you know what? Like, I know it's literally the World Cup and that's not really what it's about, but when you're enjoying it 15 years later, then it is pretty good. Yeah, and like I don't think Portugal went in going, "Well, oh, maybe we could sneak second. Like they probably <laughs> went, they probably went in and went, "We're going to get the as much as we possibly can out of these four games, have a really good time, and then come home." Yeah, yeah, which is exactly the way and you I, should approach it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they kind of achieved that as it went on. Yeah, uh, certainly Scotland. In this game. On the other hand, (laughs) so Scotland had finished last in the Six Nations that year. Not a vintage year. The only game they won was 21-9 over Wales. Entirely Chris Patterson penalties, those 21 points. Entirely seven penalties. I was supposed to be at that game, but I passed out in the street because I was ill then as well. And maybe (laughs) merely thinking about it caused me to get ill again. You instead went and watched Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Instead of instead of <laughs> that was the first time it. Robbie tried to watch Friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember playing all of WarioWare Smooth Moves whilst very ill on the Wii. That's my memory of that. So yeah, Scotland did not have a particularly great lead into this. So they then played two warm-up games, which slightly more mixed. They'd lost twenty-seven three to South Africa. Again, their points all Chris Patterson penalties. <laughs> all three uh, they, of them. <laughs> yeah. They had beaten Ireland, uh, like a Ireland C team that they sent to Murrayfield. So that, you know, tw- 31-21. So that was a bit better. You know, there were kind of, I guess, shoots of hope throughout. 31's not divisible it, but... by three. So that is quite a good result. <laughs> yeah. That means there was a try. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Chris Patterson, I'm guessing. <laughs> Johnny, what are your memories of this era, this Scottish team, this World Cup? Quite often hazy and frequently suppressed. <laughs> a lot of it came flooded back to me when I watched this game. I was trying to be as nice as I possibly could about Scotland. I'd love to say that my notes are, are trying to be as nice as I could about Scotland, but I didn't write anything about the rugby. I just wrote stuff that I thought was funny. But I have got, to get the team sheets, I've got the Guardian report in front of me, and the Guardian report says, due to a combination of Portuguese courage and Scottish incompetence, this ended up, to the amazement of most, as something approaching a proper test. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> I mean, it's probably not far off. <laughs> I was actually saying to my wife when I was sitting watching it that there's bits I remember of that era coming back to me. And upsettingly, there's there's bits that annoyed me in 2007 about that era still annoying me right now about watching <laughs> Scotland. That's the worst thing about it for me. Not that like 
Not that that was a really shaky performance against Portugal, not that I had to watch it and not that I'm going to have to pretend to be nice about it, but the fact that it was 16 years ago and some of it's still not fixed yet. So, <laughs> so Johnny, we so I essentially first booked you for this when we did Blood and Mud together recently. And at the end of that call, I said, by the way, would you like to come on and talk about the Scotland game on the 2007 podcast later on? And you said, oh, yeah, it'd be quite nice to watch a game from that kind of era, that 2007 era. How's that comment aged, do you reckon? <laughs> it's, it's not the most factual thing I've ever said. Let's... <laughs> Like it's it's weird saying that about a game that we won by forty five points. That doesn't mean that I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> so you were saying, just I'm just very curious about the things that Scotland haven't fixed that you were mentioning. Right. Okay. Well, I've spoken about this a new a number of times in a number of different platforms and things. I must have started playing adult rugby in two thousand and five. Okay. Yeah, that'd be right. And since then, whether it's like my local clubs that I've played for, which is like Midlands 4, the lowest rung of Scottish rugby, or whether it's the pro clubs, the districts, the national team, more recently the Super 6, I don't think I've ever used the phrase more in my life than I've used the phrase, will someone just run onto the fucking ball? <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't understand what it is in the DNA of Scottish rugby that makes everybody want to just like take a ball standing still five yards behind the game line. Just stop fucking doing it. Like, it's really not... And, they were, and it got brought up in comms in that Portugal game because they were doing it in that game against Portugal. Just, like, forward, standing still, five yards by the game. Like, we're yeah. it. like just I, start I, running. I do I wonder why you're thinking that might be fixed in the Dan Parks era, but <laughs> go off. But there were times in the... You know, where Scotland were going wide and the players were just still lateral to each other. Mm. Yeah. And, like, how do you do hands down the line when none of you are deep or running onto the ball? Like, Honestly, it's the first thing you're coached to, like, under sevens. Every Scottish team who I have watched, supported, or played for in almost 20 <laughs> years has done this and will not fucking stop it. And it's really, really annoying. I know I'm smiling, but it actually pisses me right <laughs> off. Through the pain. If you don't laugh at it, you'll cry at it. It's just the... such a simple thing. And I don't, yeah. understand, I don't understand why it keeps happening. Like, the see Ross when commentators are mentioning it against... <laughs> Portugal in 2007 you'd think by 2023 that somebody in the coaching staff or in the playing staff or in the development teams or somebody would have gone lads I think every other team in the world takes the ball at pace and then hits the line maybe we should try that I went to New Zealand and I watched under seven schoolboy teams do that and I was thinking maybe it's something we should try like it's not that fucking difficult Do you think so, Mike sorry, Blair's just really nostalgic for this? No, no, no. <laughs> Do you think Mike Blair's just nostalgic for this era? And he's just going, you know what, Edinburgh? You know what, lads? So many teams try carrying with power and pace. What if we try something a little bit different? We did We did stationary carriers against Portugal and we, we almost didn't lose. So maybe <laughs> we should try that. A true, I mean, to look at that Scotland starting team, man. It's, it certainly is a team. Um, it certainly is. I think that it's it's weird. I think it kind of encapsulates this era of Scottish rugby. I think that there's a fair few players that I assumed will have retired after 2003. Looking at like Simon Taylor, Ali Hogg, Jason White, you know, there's a handful of players like that where I think like, oh, I didn't realise you carried on like this late on. But there they are, starting for Scotland. Jason White as captain as well, which yeah, surprised me because Jason White went off to Claremont shortly after this. Oh, he did, and didn't spent he? like five years there. And yeah. yeah, 
Jason White was actually a really good captain for Scotland. I liked mm-hmm. Jason White as a captain. Okay, um, that's good. What this Scotland team had, which is like something that has been both a blessing and an affliction for a lot of Scotland teams, is that it didn't necessarily have a lot of great players, but it did have some proper folk heroes in it, like yes. Alan Jacobson. In fact, the very first yes. thing that I wrote, after I wrote What the Fuck Did They Do to Flower of Scotland, my next <laughs> note is just one that says CHUNK in capital letters, <laughs> because... Alan Jacobson is the hero we all need at all times. So like Absolutely. Alan Jacobson, proper folk hero Alan Jacobson. The beginnings of Ross Ford was coming off the bench. Chris Patterson, obviously. <laughs> Jason White, who we already talked about. And like, I mean, they're all right players. Jason White and Chris Patterson are pretty good players, but they are, they're just like, like total like Scottish rugby heroes. Yeah. Despite yeah. not being very good. <laughs> I also have my first note is I've got a heart next to Jacobson and then I write go chunk because like the first thing that happens in the game is he has like a little trundle I believe I think that Alan Jacobson basically gets fast tracked to the man of the match list like every game he ever plays (laughs) I I would have had him as man of the match if he didn't go off after half an hour he would have been my man of the match yeah that that was quite heartbreaking seeing because he deserves man of the match all the time he does absolutely he's just man of the you know doesn't need to be of the match. He's just he's just the best man. One of my abiding memories of Alan Jacobson is that infamous Chris Patterson tackle on Ben Foden. And Alan Jacobson slowly trundling towards it, like not making a genuine effort to catch up, but trying to get in position for, you know, the, the line out or the five meter or the waiting for the conversion. And I'm just kind of looking and going like, oh, he just can't. This is the kind of like exhale. This is very, very charming. I just love him. He's wonderful. He's brilliant. He's great. He's um, the best. He is the best. And the fact that he was one of those players, that he was incredibly good at two things. And he went, well, I am not going to develop my game. Yeah, behind I'm pushing in on this. I will. Because yeah. I'm better than anyone in Scotland at these two things. So therefore, I will be their loose head prop for seven or eight years. Yep. I think there must be there must have been an overlap between Chunk retiring and WP Nail turning up in Edinburgh. Because I'm fairly sure that Chunk just said to him, listen, just get really good at scrummaging and you'll not have to do fuck all else. (laughs) If you could be immovable, you could play for Scotland for like 15 years. Usually at this stage in the podcast, I would carry on going through the the Scottish team, then go through the Portuguese team, and then we'll go into the game. However, now, instead, I want to highlight a big matchup. Because I believe that... The three sexiest men in the World Cup are all here in this game. One of them we've just spoken about at length. His name is Alan Jacobson. The second one of them is the referee. His name is Steve Walsh, and he is the most handsome man that rugby has arguably ever seen. Like, we've spoken about him at length in this podcast previously, and we will continue to do so for as long as we see him refereeing. We get some great moments of Steve Ball, of Steve Rule taking over. I love Steve Ball. I don't want to upset anyone, but one one of the things in my notes says 2007 was pre-sexy Steve Walsh. Because actually, I don't think he's at the peak of his sexiness in this World Cup. Oh, that's controversial. I I mean... I think that's I think that's fair enough to say, but like for example, like in 2012, Julian Savia hadn't hit top form. He was still world class. <laughs> fair, yeah. He's still an extremely sexy man, even before his glow up. Like he's still better than basically any other human being can possibly hmm. achieve. So Which, what we're doing here is we're looking at like volumes, volume one versus volume three of the yeah. Kate Moss collection. You know, <laughs> like it's that's what we're comparing. 
I just yeah. realised that I topped up the end of my beer right beside my microphone there, by the way. That's what the weird noise was. Just <laughs> so that everyone's aware. But we've got two extremely sexy men there, right? And mm. I don't know if we'll eventually rank these, but maybe the fact that Steve hasn't yet reached his peak is, is a part of something that you might want to consider for that. However, the third really sexy man on the field is Rui Cordeiro, the loosehead croc oh. for Portugal. <laughs> and let me tell you, never has a man been so deserving of being Alan Jacobson's opposite number. <laughs> it's glorious. He is deserving of his presence, of Chunk's when, presence. Uh, when you and I were tweeting about my extremely in-depth and very technical notes on Wednesday night when I was watching the game, Patricia Vieira, everyone's favourite half-Irish, half-Portuguese podcasting hero, <laughs> <laughs> replied to me to say, you keep Rui Cordero's name out of your mouth because she'd seen the note that I'd written that said, how did Portugal get a Welsh club front row from the 70s? Which is exactly <laughs> what Rui Cordero looks like. He is an unbelievable specimen. Him and Alan Jacobson against each other has proper, proper fourth division. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, that's like props for props. That's it. You you have taken like a Welsh thirds front rower and put an extremely like European looking face on him. And you've got Rui Cordero. And of course, like the balding look, which everyone has already assumed from our description of him thus far. He's just glorious. Other favourite thing, Rui Cordero's a vet. He's a vet. He's a vet. In more like, ways than in, one. Not as in he <laughs> plays in the vets, as in yeah. he looks after animals for a living. <laughs> wow. Like, he, That's amazing. He is, in all senses, a vet. Yeah, so he was a professional vet, and he took time out to focus on his rugby here. A bit like Jose Pinto, the scrum for Portugal, had just finished his medical studies degree in the May, and then went, right, I'm going to focus on my rugby until the World Cup, and then after that, I'm going to look to get a job. Uh, at which point he was offered a professional rugby contract in Italy and went to do that for two years instead of eventually, you know, going on and becoming a doctor. That's the joy of amateurisms. You know, the greatest force for good in the world. The greatest force for good in the world, unarguably. So, yes, so the Scotland team. The Scotland team. So we have both Laments in the team. Yeah. Grand. Okay, that works. That's good. And then from there, the back line started to take a dip. Yeah, Mike Blair was a good player. I always like Mike yeah, Blair. Yeah, yeah, I like Mike Blair. Good um, time for him. And Dan Parks had his strengths. Dan um, Parks had his strengths, and he is somebody that at the time it was like, oh yeah, I can see those strengths. But given this podcast is retrospective, looking back yes. at him, you can't help looking at him and go, like, oh, Dan Parks, seriously. His his strengths did not lie in areas through which he would survive nowadays. No. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say that's that's a fair reflection on the career of Dan Parks. Yeah, yeah, good player at like what he did, but the amount of times, even in this game against right. Portugal, when there were forty points up, that he would shit himself and kick the ball away or pass the ball rather than being tackled. Like there was a lot of like he's he's basically like the world's best nineteen eighty seven fly half, and he's just teleported to a, like a different World Cup. <laughs> so I tell you what his backline did have was mm-hmm. a plethora of those fucking orange gloves. This I don't, is the I don't know so, whose dad run the orange gloves company, but no, none of, them. none of them. Simon Webster himself used no, to have a side hustle of selling gloves. Shut yep. up. Simon Webster used to sell gloves and base layers as a kind of side hustle. <laughs> well, Simon Webster's to blame for the orange gloves. Simon Webster's to blame for the orange gloves. They are horrific. Are horrendous. Oh, they're horrible. I think they're what made me ill. 
<laughs> Johnny, I saw on your extensive notes the other day that you had already written down a contender for Dick of the Day before watching the game. And yeah. I was thinking like, oh yeah, why would you possibly do that? That's a weird thing to do. And then I saw Sean Lamont's shocker blonde hair and orange gloves combo, and I did exactly the same thing. I that's what I full disclosure, I had written that the day that you text me and said you have to nominate a dick of the day, and I went, That is blonde hair, orange gloves, Sean Lamont period, so I know who my dick of the day is. And, like, uh, nothing happened in the game to make me change my opinion of that. (laughs) (laughs) The even worse one, though, is I remember Sean Lamont having his dyed blonde hair, horrible look, right? I didn't realise Rory Lamont had the same face, which is even worse, because, like, he was always the sensible one. Like, Sean was the kind of, like, you know, he'd go out on the town, he'd get into fights, then Rory would pick pick him up in the morning at 2am when it was a nightmare. I was going to say, historically, yes, but I was going to Google it before I said it to make sure I didn't get sued, but (laughs) if you're saying it too, it must be right. Yeah, Rory Lambert's got a a bit off the deep end on the old conspiracies. My source is Cammy Black, so, you know, (laughs) take a My source as well, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've seen this. I remember looking at this. I remember checking his... Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, I take back what I said about him being sensible. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe they maybe deserve the hair and you should stick with it now. Yes, maybe so. Maybe so. Major, like, midlife crisis vibes from Sean Lamont. The, the, in the way peroxide's blocking the 5G signal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, like, the one thing that made you question whether Sean Lamont might not have been having a midlife crisis here is the fact that at no point did he ride a moped down the wing. Otherwise, he is, he's ticking all of the boxes. Oh, yes. Rory Lamont now has, like, long, like, shoulder-length hair. <laughs> does he? Like, he, does. He's he looks sort of, like, hippie-ish. Yeah, he's constantly retweeting, like, Jordan Peterson. Yep. What's going on? This is another, oh. another great entry into the Never Meet Your Heroes depths of Scottish rugby. I don't know where we get all yep. these conspiracy theorists from, but there's fucking plenty of them. <laughs> Just Adam Ash is radiating them out like five years. Yeah, exactly. Creating them all. Adam Ash and Grayson Hart together as a combination, of course. Mate, Grayson Hart, the inventor of Marxism, who then went off the deep end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the bizarre Wish. character. We get to cover him more when we eventually do 2015, don't we? Did he play in the 2015 World Cup? I'm pretty sure he did. Think Johnny? So. Yeah. yeah. I think he did, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he will have gone as like third choice come off or something. But yeah. So anyway, right. So what we're trying to say is in the centres, Scotland fielded Rob Dewey and Marcus Di Rolo. I've never heard of Marcus Di Rolo. I played against Marcus Di Rolo two years ago. <laughs> True story. How did that go? So, so we were playing at a, a My Name's Doddy fundraiser. Oh. Uh, and they had also invited the King Penguins, which is like a, a touring charity team. And mm-hmm. Tom Smith was playing for them. Um, oh sweet! Tom Smith, Nicky Walker, and Marcus Dorolo were like the big no. of this team, and we were walking out. And I remember someone telling me before the week of the game that there was a period where Nicky Walker was behind only Jonah Lomu in terms of being the biggest winger in world rugby. And I was still playing on the wing at this point. They we're called him McLomu for a game, and I was walking out past Nicky Walker, going, "He is fucking huge, actually." Am I just? <laughs> but yeah, no, it was good fun. And like the King Penguins are a, a really good laugh had obviously been on the piss for like four days and hadn't stopped right. just because the games were starting. So it took it really <laughs> easily. But yeah, playing against Tom Smith was very cool. Yeah. And uh, also I played against Marcus Derulo, So Yeah. <laughs> How was he? Was he was he good? Like in his uh, did he uh, one of his players who ate came in his, into his own later on? Yeah, I mean he was he was significantly better than all of the like 
lowest of the low league Scottish vets teams. I'll give <laughs> I will give him that. He he probably was better than Phil Godwin was when we played against him like six months later. Okay. okay. In fact, he was. Yeah. No, Marcus Derulo was better than Phil Godwin. That's that's the level that we're operating at. Okay. Okay. So you played against Phil Godwin as well. This is this is some serious. <laughs> I tell you, the, like... the Scottish vets scene is the is the place to be. Yeah, I bet it it's, is. It's because it? like all of these like old boys go back to their clubs mm. and then are just like dicking around with nothing to do, and then somebody will arrange a tournament. And in fact, the the whole reason we played against Phil Godwin is that uh, one of the, the Dundee teams arranged a tournament. He used to play for Panmuir. He played mm-hmm. for Panmuir and he played for Dundee High. And Panmuir had put two teams into their own tournament and genuinely with a straight face told us when we turned up that they didn't have enough players for their second team. The only person they could find to play in it was Phil Godwin. <laughs> <laughs> that because was how Scotland picked him as well, though. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Um, yeah, they're all pals with the presidents. And so... When someone hosts right. a tournament and they put their like presidents fifteen in, they just phone up all their pals who used to play for Scotland and be like, "Oh, come and come and just play in this tournament." You come up against them, we come up against them like fairly regularly. It's really weird. Wow! I've now realised as well that in like a kind of seven degrees of separation kind of way, I am two degrees of rugby playing away from Phil Godman and there Tom Smith. Because of course I've played alongside yourself, yeah. Johnny. So that's that's something I'm writing on my rugby CV. Not that anyone will ever read it. <laughs> I, uh, I noticed that you're uh, captaining from the wing tomorrow, by the way. Yes, yes. So maybe everyone that... will shut up about me being a fullback captain for a while. Yeah, yeah. That game may or may not be cancelled. I think somebody must have heard. So um, yeah, bizarre turn of events. Like I am the I would be the world's slowest winger. I've played there before, and it's always gone horribly. Because... I would accept that challenge. <laughs> Yeah, it's not ideal, captaining from the wing, because all I can imagine doing is not getting the ball for ages, then getting called in by the referee saying, tell your teammates to like be more disciplined, going, be more disciplined, and then just having a right to complain because I'm not doing anything. So uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm being welcome to your world, Johnny. I'm sure I've told Robbie this story before, but we played the game against Perthshire a couple of years ago, and the referee called the captains in. So I came running over and we like we knew all the referees because it's quite a small community, obviously, so the Scottish Vets community. And he, so he, he called the two captains in and I went running over. They went, Johnny, what are you playing? And I said, fullback. I was my fullback. And he went, right. Is there a forward I can speak to as well? <laughs> I'm the fucking captain, mate. Speak to me. It's what I wanted to say. What I actually said was, yes, sir. I'll go, I'll <laughs> a forward you can speak to as well. I was just like, what the fuck? Like... You don't get to choose. I'm the captain. <laughs> if you if you want to speak to me, you'll come all the way back to where I'm standing and you'll speak to me there. <laughs> it's a good way. And I'll to tell you, I will know because I was miles away. <laughs> good way to keep the penalty count down is by making sure the referee can't speak to you because he hasn't got that much time. Yeah, like, he's just never going to call the referee. The captain is he, so he's not going to send anyone off. <laughs> See, you're, you're thinking outside the box. I might try to see that works. <laughs> One day, one of these ideas will come off. <laughs> Johnny, have you got anything to say about Rob Dewey? <laughs> well, you know how I said that snitch tagging is my least favourite thing? Um, somebody from a well-known uh, rugby account. A, we were... a friend of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> a, fr- a friend of everyone's pod. And actually, like like someone who we all like and, and a very nice, very positive account. When we were talking about the game on Wednesday on Twitter and I had my, a picture of my notes on Twitter. Do you know what? I'm just going to see who it was. It was Lane Break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on Wednesday, when we were talking about it, snitch tagged Rob Dewey's 
in to say, did you have those orange gloves? Because he could see the thing about the orange gloves in my notes. Unfortunately, the thing above that, which is also clearly visible, is one that says, I could have got a game in this backline. The handling is dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you might have meant Portugal. That's bad enough. Rob Dewey oh, lives no. about five miles down the road from me. I could basically see his <laughs> farm from where I'm sitting. So, like, if Rob did take exception to me saying the handling was dog shit, which he shouldn't because it was, he could, like, he could be at my house in his Land Rover in about a minute and a half. So that was great. Thanks very much for that line break. I'm really excited to have Rob Dewey turn up at my door and ask me what I think of his handling. <laughs> for the record, yeah. it was shit. Although, <laughs> tell you what, his, his grubber was amazing. That oh, was yeah. pretty good. That was pretty good, yeah. Uh, Hugo Southwell, my most hated player, is on the bench. Why, why a, do you one hate of the, him? I just always hated him when he was a player. And I just, like, it was just one of those players I just didn't get why anyone thought he was good enough to play professional rugby. I just hated him. And but I just know, used to sigh whenever I saw him. And he comes I started on a timer when he, he came scores. on because I expected someone to mention that he also played cricket and it never got mentioned. Which, oh, really? which must make that the only game I've ever watched with Hugo Southwell where nobody mentioned that he also played cricket. Because <laughs> it was a favourite of every... Do you know, it, like, Hugo Southwell couldn't catch a high ball without a commentator going, and uh, Hugo Southwell's famous cricketing skills coming into play there as he feels that wanna, high, high ball. I want to stop you a bit sooner and say Hugo Southwell couldn't catch a high ball. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, just a terrific, terrific. I mean, you mentioned all the sexiest men in the in the team, right? Didn't even mention you and Murray, who of course was modelling for MS shortly after this. Oh yeah, but right before his MS days, modelling blazers and jumpers, which <laughs> yeah, we that's fun. Going, he will take a close fourth place. Like I think that's a very high accolade for you and Murray. Mm. I uh, I still maintain that Scotland would have won more Six Nations games if it wasn't for the fact that you and Murray doesn't play on Sundays. I, I yeah. don't disagree with that, yeah. <laughs> Bloody Six Nations board constantly against Scotland, rigging all these fixtures by yeah. putting them on Sundays all the time. Putting us against France on a Sunday when we could really do with our best scrimmage in prop and he's at church. <laughs> that that would have really made a difference to us at that period. Like, and I know like it sounds like a joke, but genuinely in that period, having you and money would have really made a difference to Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your bench but, prop is a guy called Gavin Kerr at this point, and I do not know who he is. That might be my ignorance, but... He's he, currently um, a chartered building surveyor. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> so it sounds well, like a thrilling surveyor. Player. He's probably yes. the second best Scotland player ever to come from Carlisle. Also, the second Scotland player ever to come from Carlisle. So. <laughs> Chris Harris. Chris Harris is the other one, yeah. And, and nice. I mean, there's a world of difference between Chris Harris and Gavin Kerr. <laughs> like, not just positions. though. One of these, like, it was remarkably easy to get a cap for Scotland at this time. Like, <laughs> don't, don't be fooled. So many players in this team, let's say, like Gavin Kerr and Marcus Dirolo, who I'd never heard of, but had 21 caps and played for Toulouse, but admittedly only played one minute for Toulouse, um, <laughs> then went off and then never played for them again. But, like, like I, as I said, I'd never heard of Marcus Dirolo. And when I saw that team sheet, I couldn't, like, it sounds like, wasn't it? Yeah. I wondered if they'd accidentally put but being the Portuguese such an odd name, on there. Like a, like, well, not an odd name, but like it was, yeah, it was, as I yeah. say, like a non, non-native non name. It was and the like, time I that wondered we had, if like, it was... in, in a big way into like centres with a D, because we had Nick DeLuca as well. Of course. Mm. Nick DeLuca, Marcus DeRolo. He was, was the like, prequel yeah, to Nick DeLuca. That's what you have to have to be a Scottish centre. <laughs> I wondered if it was like Chloe Rowley had turned up with a fake moustache 
and then they've done like a fake fake French accent, so no one worked out who it was. And gone, do Rolo, I am Di Rolo, <laughs> and just tried to get away with playing, and like had to play down and be shitter, obviously, because she was trying to fit into this team. You know, she wanted Rob Dewey to like her. Right, again, Rob Dewey lives just down the road, so can we not? Sorry, what were you saying about him just before we started recording? <laughs> and what was that I was about? He's his... amazing. Yeah, he's a really <laughs> nice, wife, charismatic... Some interesting comments guy. about his wife. <laughs> yeah, he said All his right. farm was a shithole, no. didn't you? I'm not sure, Marlo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, touchy subject. Can we please talk about the Portugal team? Yes, sorry. sorry. Yes. Because I didn't quite expect to know as much of the Portugal team as I did. I kind of like mm. forgot about it, a, a lot of these players, but like... First and foremost, right, so I saw the fact that there are a lot of shared names on this team. Like <laughs> there are four seven names over the four fifteen. There are seven players on this team who are brothers. Seven siblings, okay. including the three Uva brothers who no. are No 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 no. Two brothers and a cousin. Oh, okay, okay. So I take it Vasco and Gonzalo are brothers? I believe so. And okay. then yeah, yeah. then why is Uva is there. Okay, uh, the yeah. is their, their cousin. Okay, yeah. So Vasco Uva is... He's probably heralded as, I would guess, one of the best, if not the best player in the mm. history of Portuguese rugby. Like, he's got, like, 100-plus caps. He's seriously high on the list of, like, most cap players of all time. He's really high up. And Gonzalo Uva is, like, as far as I can tell, like, a, heralded, like, in a similar kind of nature. So, like, seeing those two was something that I've looked forward to when I saw the, the team mm. sheet. It's thinking, like, oh, okay, get to actually see them in action because they're players that you hear a lot about when you are listening to stuff about Portuguese rugby, which admittedly isn't the most well-documented thing, but... Vasco Uva wrote a book about this tournament, which he titled Today is for Portugal, but in Portuguese. Uh, the book's never been translated into English, so it's quite hard to work out what anything mm-hmm. you know said or meant. So there's not much from it, but it'd be a really interesting read, I reckon. But the Today is for Portugal was the, was the last line of his pre-match speech before this game. Apparently, he gave an incredibly emotive speech that led partly to that anthem yes. where they are all crying their eyes out. Amazing. It's amazing. They've then got Jose and Duarte Pinto uh, as the halfbacks, who are both players. I've heard of them both, but I can't think quite where from. Um, yeah, I de- I've definitely heard of Jose Pinto, but I, I couldn't think where I'd yeah. heard from. Yeah. They, I don't know if they are not related. They're not. So They're not I was completely wrong with I... the seven siblings thing. <laughs> yeah. Four siblings? Yeah. Um, <laughs> not quite the I same. Like, that's exactly what I was about to do. <laughs> <laughs> but this was the thing. I stopped, When I was looking at more and more stuff on Portuguese rugby, I realised everyone's called Pinto. So it seems <laughs> to just be their Jones. Yeah. Um, okay. And you're going like, oh, is this some like really prolific family? Because like Federico Sousa goes on to coach the national team. He coached them for their qualifying for 2015. And the coach before him and the coach after him were both different people with the surname Pinto. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Are the um, are Diogo and David Mateus in the back line? Are they yes, related? they're brothers. They're brothers. Okay, okay. Few. There's some really... <laughs> so what really stands out to me about this Portuguese team generally is they've got Pedro Leal playing fullback for them. Yes. Who is a player I have loved watching. Like he's I would I would probably say he's one of my favourite sevens players of all time. Mm. Like he's just a, an unbelievably exciting and skillful player. Plays scrum off, fly off, fullback, wing. He just he just plays absolutely anywhere. And he's exactly the same player watching him play fifteens as he was playing sevens. Like he will try and run 
absolutely everything. And at one point, they say in the commentary, like, you kind of wish he was, like, playing 10 or something because you just want him to get the ball because he does something exciting even when it's unwarranted. That was the thing, though, is, like, the commentator, when he's reading out the team sheet and he's at the Scottish team and he's like, is a bunch of twats here's some just some guys and alan jacobson who is the best and then he gets this portuguese team and he goes they've got pedro leal and then he's just moves on doesn't read the rest of the team um (laughs) and he keeps every time leal gets the ball he's going here's the greatest rugby player the maziest runner the guy who will create something from nothing it's pedro leal and then leal will do a nice little like jinky step and he'll beat one player then he'll get tackled and then he'll get the ball like 10 minutes later and he'll get and he'll have a little run again and he'll go oh it's pedro leal the bloody the all-time great he's bloody like he's he treats pedro leal like it's christian cullen and yes. as you say pedro leal is a great player you know scored a thousand points in the world seven series like one of only nine yeah. people who have to do it like like one of Portugal's greats, but but <laughs> he is talked up to such a degree that like I was towards the end when he's just like the commentators, you know, Scotland are scoring a try and he's going, well, I can't believe he rammed the tackle of the outstanding Pedro Leal. <laughs> I know, yeah, mate, this is say. not. Let, get a room, the two of you. Like <laughs> it feels player. like he's one step away from just like spray painting a heart under his driveway, saying like. <laughs> commentator loves pedro it's, it's... yeah like get a room but make sure pedro knows about it yeah <laughs> great player but probably the third best fallback who played in this game like <laughs> uh given mossy came off the bench but no I, it was a joy to watch him i very much enjoyed having him on the, on the field uh haven't seen him play 15s before so that was something that really like as soon as i saw that team sheet really caught my eye so yeah lo- love a bit of Pe- pedro leal content the thing is right why Why didn't they qualify in, like, 2015 so they could have fielded Estevez on the wing if they're going to oh, convert no. Sevens players? What what a, what a player he was. But anyway, enough about the Portuguese Sevens team. Um, <laughs> Yao Bello, That's another great 2010 Portuguese Sevens player. Said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Portugal's got a great climate for Sevens. Like, yeah. that, it's the place you want to go to play mm. Sevens. I can see why, why you would want to talk about it slash be involved in the Portuguese Sevens setup. Yeah, yeah. I'm seven squidge as well as rugby league squidge now. I'm just all but <laughs> union squidge. Let's talk about this Portuguese national anthem. Oh, because it's just incredible. We've touched upon it, but they, I don't think I've ever seen someone give it such a go as they did. Like, yeah. every single player was not only singing, but they were all, like, belting it out. You could see them all screaming, well, like, without a care in the world. It was amazing. So many I tears. I think the Argentine anthem from the opening game would have a rival for best anthem of the tournament. Right? But then Portugal turn up. It's one of the best Rugby World Cup anthems ever, I will say. Well, have you ever gone on, a, on an overseas tour where they play your anthem? No. <laughs> so if if you go on an overseas tour where they play your anthem, so we've done it a couple of times, um, and they make you stand and sing the anthem, honestly, when you do it, and you're standing there thinking, this might be the only time I ever get to sing the anthem like this. You fucking go for it. And like, oh, that man. is the energy that Portugal bring to it. Well, the difficulty is, How I did, play in did England. You end up, when did you end up singing the anthem? I want to know more about this. Uh, so, well, uh, once in Wales, actually, we went to Treherbert. Oh, uh, well, oh, wow. we, used to go to, we used to go to Treherbert all the time. We used to go every two years. But one year we went and uh, we had a piper and a drummer with us. And so Treherbert Rugby Club said, oh, would, would you guys like your paper and drummer to play Flower of Scotland for you before the game and you can sing? And we were like, fuck yeah, we would. <laughs> um, 
but we did that, and then once we went to Italy, and apparently when Italy have got when the Italians have got overseas teams visiting, they play both the anthems. Oh, so yeah, we've we've done it a couple of times, Incredible. and it is amazing, and you do it does make you go, "I'm going to sing this like I have never sung it before." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to pack the 100 Scottish caps I once dreamed of into this one anthem. Exactly, like that's yeah. incredible. I've the thing is right because I play in England, so that makes it really difficult. I've been on tours to Wales before, and I would have sung the Welsh national anthem, but I also would have got kicked off the team straight afterwards. <laughs> um, like they were, they were looking for an excuse to get rid of me on that team for several years but that was just they, all they had to base it off was my rugby playing ability so you know at, at that point that would have been lights out but so basically if there's anybody listening who runs a welsh rugby club who can fully expense a tour for me to go on just so i can sing the welsh national anthem once and then fly home at half time please get in touch if there's a if there's a welsh vets team that wants to come to scotland and bring will with them i'll put the anthem on for you there we go there we go robbie can come Feel as well yeah, of yeah. course. I'll just, yeah, just have a day out. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Sounds good. But yeah, anyway, Portugal, what an anthem. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So we get to kick off, right? There's, I mean, first off, I just saw there was Steve Walsh and just thought this is perfect. We've got Chunk, we've got Cadero, we've got Steve Walsh. This is the holy trinity of just <laughs> handsome rugby men here. Chunk has a little trundle and Rob Dewey does a header. Yes. Accidental, like someone passes to his face, but it qualifies, it qualifies. And Portugal get a 22 drop out of it. Uh, it's not that exciting, but a header to open the game. There's a great reminder very early on of the Dan Parks past that I'd forgotten about. Because I remembered his kicking I well, been. I remembered his not tackling well, but I forgot about the way that Dan Parks winds his whole body up and spins it around in order to chuck it. And then he like <laughs> yeah. fades off when he does it. Like, yeah, he then like fades into the background. It's really weird motion that he does. I mean, don't get me wrong; he he had some length on his pass, like, mm. so it must have been effective. But you're right; there's there's something weird about it. Yeah, um, I had sadly not forgotten about it. <laughs> I remember the Dan Parks pass well. And that's what made me write the handling was dog shit, is that Scotland did not get off to an auspicious start, backline-wise. I think would be a generous way of putting it. Sure, sure. There's Because there's a few points where, like, somebody will make a nice offload or something, and then there'll be the issue of whoever takes it is stood completely still. Um, yes. And Portugal then will go, like, oh, yeah, right, yeah, we can come back it. Because, like, <coughs> Portugal started this game very much like 
an excited group of 10 year olds who were told they're playing against the Scottish national team. Um, And you know what? Like it was great to watch. There's one really good point where Scotland string together, like a really good bit of attack. And then Mateus on the wing that goes for the intercept. And you're thinking like, Oh, Portugal going to go the way and like score the Mm. first try of the game. But no, he drops it. Yeah. Shame. Yeah, I think like the way that Portugal started this game, any tier one or possibly even tier two team that is not Scotland would have scored in about 45 seconds. <laughs> like the fact it took us so long was really quite upsetting. But that's the the extraordinary thing about this Portugal side here is that they have absolutely no technical competence. <laughs> but <laughs> endless passion and they're just sort of trying to make up for it on sheer effort that's it they're, like they're not thinking about what they're doing when they're entering they're not thinking is this a good idea they just go let's yeah. just fucking do it lads let's go from that <laughs> they're gonna go to that rock they're gonna go to this rock it's gonna be incredible come with me lads come with me and there's no thought just all energy and it's really really funny because so Rory Lamont scores two tries early on, right? Like mm. he scores one on like the 10th minute and he scores one on like the 15th minute. So they're quite early on. And the first one's a really simple one where like they have a few like picks and drives and then they spread it wide and Lamont runs a nice line and scores, right? The second one is this big like solo try where he fends off two people really nicely. And you realise at that point, 15 minutes in, you go, oh no, Portugal look knackered. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like I, I love passion. I'm all for it. But at some point, you need to realise that passion makes you really fucking tired. Yeah, really. Like, oh no, there's another 65 minutes of this. We've got to be passionate for ages. Just, so no one told me this. For 10 minutes, Scotland are attacking and Portugal are holding them out and then like applauding everything wildly. I'm like, mm. really into it, really up for this. And then, as you say, I think the moment that first try goes in, and like, it's okay, it's only seven points. They realise the, the, the clock, not just yeah, the scoreboard. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's like, just, oh, it's only 7-0. We have to keep this down for only 17 minutes. Okay. It <laughs> just it. struck me right there, by the way, that someone, and by someone I mean Rhiannon and Garth Jones, is going to clip that little bit when I just said, passion makes you really fucking tired really quickly, and oh. I'm never going to hear the end of it. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. As long as you highlight it, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> passion makes you really fucking tired after a sensible and reasonable amount of time for everyone concerned. <laughs> Clip that one instead. There we go. Then you look up and see you've got 70 minutes to go. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't help but start to cheer for Portugal during that kind of opening stanza of them. Yes. Desperately defending in a way that looked completely yeah, like, unsustainable. Even I wanted them to do really well. Because I was like, I love this. You're so into it. <laughs> It's going to go really badly really soon, but you're doing really well just there. I remember once watching, it was the 2010 game between Wales and England. And I was, it was on a Friday night and I was so pumped up by it. And like everyone in school was talking about it that day, which was quite rare living in, you know, a place in England that wasn't Gloucester. Like everyone was talking about the fact, oh, the rugby's on tonight. And like, it was what people were talking about. And everyone was like, bloody the Welsh kid, let's bully him. Because that's what matters. (laughs) I remember Um, that day. I remember that day. Yeah. And it was amongst the most pumped up for a game I've ever been. And then Wales lost. And I remember thinking, like, genuinely, I know I'm 15, but if you put me in that Welsh team, I reckon I would have done okay because <laughs> I was so pumped up. And that you, that Portugal team were entirely people made up of that attitude. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a few things that from that opening kind of 10 minutes that I've written down in my notes as good turnovers. But I'm not sure if that's just them twatting the halfback and Steve Welsh going, yeah, play on, lads. <laughs> Do what the fuck you want. I, I don't care. Give those. 
Yeah. I, I was struck by how different the laws were. Like, when did we decide high tackles were a thing? Because it was obviously after 2007. Yeah. Like, every fucking, every second tackle was a seatbelt in this game. Just like yeah. people going up behind and just swinging off people. Sean Lamont's really bad for it. Like, he basically tries to corkscrew mm. a couple of people's heads off. It was a different world. Like, yeah. I thought this when we looked at 87, but I thought there'd be some, like, management of this. But there scarcely is. You and see the, barely anything The thing that given. struck me about this is that, like, I was playing at this time. And I don't remember being allowed to do that. I mean, tackle is not my thing anyway. We all know this. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I don't even remember it happening to me. But it obviously was, like, high tackles were just not a thing. I but remember it, once being grabbed by the collar and I spat, got span around and thrown at the ground. And I tried to offload whilst I was being span around, which is a stupid idea. <laughs> Did it obviously go very it went forward? forward. Obviously yeah. it went forward. Yeah. You were playing in that game. You were playing oh, up was for like a couple of years. Yeah, it was one yeah. of the like, two games our school ever played. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Recall. I recall. I'm surprised you could spin those I recall jerseys because they were polo shirts. Because yes. our school was just neglected the idea of rugby until... Us, we specifically pushed it really hard because there was yeah, one we were like invited to, well. and we had to just organise it uh, basically ourselves. It's amazing that you hear about Kyle Sinclair doing that, and this, it seemed to go really well there. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, my, and my school was exactly the same until we eventually demanded to have a rugby team. But my, like, so my school, our badge was black and blue. All our school colours were black and blue. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they made everyone buy an emerald green rugby shirt as part of our PE kit that nobody right. ever wore. Ever. Yeah, yeah. And it was like completely unrelated to anything else to do with the school. And eventually a few of us were like, we want a rugby team. And we demanded, we demanded a rugby team. And they went, fine, bring your rugby shirts. We'll arrange a rugby game. So we all turned up in these fucking emerald green shirts that were basically straight out of the packet because everyone's parents had to buy them and you had to wear them yeah. for PE. And we took one look at them and we went, yeah, I'm not fucking wearing that. So we just like wore gym kit, got, got to the game, had to put these emerald green shirts on that bore no resemblance to anything to do with our school got tonked 145 nothing by Dundee High School, which is like the the private school in our area where all of the Scotland players go. Uh, and I just never played again. <laughs> I was like, that, well, you had your rugby team, you were shit, off you go. That sounds like, not dissimilar to our experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played four games and lost them all, and they were all on the same day. Very, very uh, unfortunate turn of events. The thing is, I went into it thinking, like, oh, we're going to be class when the most experienced player on the team was me, the guy who was, like, the last choice player for his local club and couldn't catch or tackle. And I was, like, I thought I was, like, the star player. That was my first ever captaincy experience. Went horribly. (laughs) Oh, you're talking about a different thing to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one was different. We scored tries in that one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That one went all right. Yeah, yeah. But um, that was like how badly it was that we we turned up with twelve players, and like I was in sick form at the time. I think I was year twelve, and two of them were from like year ten. That was me um, and my friend. Yeah, yeah. So we had players who, and when I say like when you think of players playing up, you think of like like Jonah Lomu playing up like four age grades as a kid you know like when i spoke to morgan morris recently he was saying like he used to play up an age grade and all of that right you think of professionals you don't think of with the best one in the world <laughs> will owen yeah 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 captains the thirds from the wing every now and then um, yeah. <laughs> yeah no that that was not that was not like a vintage i'm playing up because i'm good it was just like yeah literally we literally who, in the area have, like who goes to the school and has heard the word rugby before like we drafted <laughs> two players in from two years down and we still didn't have enough to put out a 13-man squad. We had <laughs> yeah. to borrow another player from the other school. 
Yeah, it was it was desperate. We just got a try, so that was yeah, fine. we did. Anyway, enough about that game. Yeah, back to the important one: Scotland versus yeah, Portugal. Are we talking about that, okay? Cool. It's almost like someone here doesn't want to talk about Scotland against Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of actually, there was a point where on the commentary after Scotland get a jackal turnover penalty, the commentator says, "You teach a schoolboy player uh, this. It's the first thing you teach them. When you're tackled, you release the ball." Without yeah, realizing, like, I heard that and thought that was really weird. <laughs> there's there is a merit to holding on to the ball because nine times out of ten. You hold on to it for a second, then the guy gets cleared out, and you keep hold of the ball. Like, it's entirely fair enough that you hold on to it. I don't think it's the first thing you teach no, a schoolboy. No, yeah. in 131 countries in the world, the first thing that you teach a schoolboy rugby player is always be coming at pace when you catch the ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the first thing you teach them. But I love that. If that is the first thing they teach in Scotland, that defeat is actually, you're going to be tackled anyway. So here's what you do when that happens. <laughs> here's what happens when you get smashed backwards in the tackle. Forget the catching, forget the falling over. You know, this is what happens when that when The Kingsley sure Jones coaching approach. The ball. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember hearing that on comms going, is it though? <laughs> I don't know if maybe then, like, was, was 2007 a year when the referee directive was, you've got to like where the ball says you're tackled? Seems like a weird thing to make the directive, but Mm. but they did. Yeah, he did seem to be like, oh, that's obvious. You have to do that. So maybe that's what it was. But it is the same commentator, I should say, as the one from the England game a couple of weeks ago that we spoke about, Robbie, who we kind of went off at a little bit in that episode. Um, Some very interesting takes throughout. Enormous levels of Alan Partridge, of accidental Partridge coming from him. (laughs) Not bringing their e-game on commentary. No. Like frequently getting players mixed up Seeing oh. stuff that basically just didn't make any sense. And yeah. My favourite thing he said was there was a point when Portugal nearly scored and he said, oh, he would really deserve a try, that man. <laughs> Without <laughs> checking who it is he said would deserve a try. Did you hear he, the little, like, the tangent he went off on about when Chunk got injured? and he, was that? he got given a stretcher and he just went off for a couple of minutes about how good the quality of the medical care was. Oh, really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. weird. He's like, and yeah, yeah. you know, obviously these are top level elite athletes. No chance has been taken. I'm sure it's nothing serious. It's just we're, you know, we're we're not taking any half measures here. It's very important. This is a big sporting occasion. And so, of course, he's on a stretcher, but I'm sure it's nothing serious. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, why are you talking like, I know what you're talking about. Why are you talking about it? Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Really, <laughs> oh, really like, weird. Two of Scotland's first three tries, he gets the try scorer's name wrong. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, that's Sean Lamb. Oh, wait, no, never mind. It's his that's brother, Rory. Very typical <laughs> of Sean Lamont, that try. <laughs> yeah, I'm shouting, you don't stop Sean Lamont from there. It's like, like, no, they didn't, Well, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they didn't. Like, didn't have to, but they didn't. No, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do well, that now? So actually? Sean Lamont scores. Yeah, so Sean Lamont scores, takes his yeah. like, picks a good line. One of those where eventually they thought, no, sorry, Sean Lamont doesn't score. I've done it. Convince <laughs> <laughs> me. Rory Lamont scores. I thought you were doing it on purpose, so it's all right. <laughs> Someone called Lamont scores. Yeah, Sean Lamont, who was indefinitely maybe scores. And then Rory follows up and is like, mate. Yeah, he crashes over from short range. Good finish. As I said, but the thing is, it is very typical of Sean Lamont rather than Rory. <laughs> it really is. There's a point where Yao Uva punches Ewan Murray in the back whilst <laughs> Simon Webster has him in a headlock and gets penalised for it. Steve very rules. Moment. 
Steve Rose indeed. Steve Rose indeed. And the, one of the things that shocked me most, aside from the fact that Ross Ford may or may not go on to score later on in the game, why is Scott Lawson a baller? <laughs> How come he used to have hair and lots of pace? Scott Lawson looks weird with hair is on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Is not it to like not to like drill home the parochialness of Scottish rugby, but Scott Lawson immediately after he retired came to be director of rugby at St Andrews Uni and used to come around our club quite a lot and spoke oh. at our end of year dinner and That's is sweet. very very funny. Um, ah, and yeah, I was like completely baffled by him having here. Is it wrong or very very right? that I hadn't realised he had hair because my brain just filled him in as being bald. Yeah, no, I was like that. Because <laughs> I, I, like, even as a Scottish person who watched this World Cup the first time and then went to re- re-watch that game, I was like, who the fuck is that hooker? And then he said Scott Lawson. I was like, no, 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 no. Scott Lawson's bald. <laughs> and it turns out it was Scott Lawson. Yeah. But his try, Scott yes. Lawson's try, is unbelievable. Scott so... Lawson is prototype Cody Taylor. It says it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he's prototype he was, like Ben was, Smith. He was unbelievable. He was brilliant. He's prototype 2013 Julian Savia. It's <laughs> next level what he did there. So, right, Scotland have a bit of an attack, blah, 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 who cares? Dan Parks then does one of those, like, I don't know what to do and I don't want to take it into contact, so I'm just going to randomly do a cross-field kick. It was, you know, this... the, like, the mad things you do when you're on penalty advantage? It yeah. was that, only yeah. not on penalty advantage. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you see this like really speedy winger who's perfectly positioned on the touchline come up to take the ball and does this like brilliant sliding finish into the corner where he like you know he lifts his feet and everything just before the touchline and then he gets up and you're like wait what the fuck that's scott lawson like, <laughs> i remember watching you like in your later career and just thinking like oh you know you're just a solid set piece hooker who occasionally does that thing where you throw like one dummy so you get people go like oh he's okay around the park you know we scott lawson him. played in the the calcutta cup the year the first 2018 one where we first won it for ages yeah I mean, yeah, he retired in 2018. That's, like, like, that's, that's the Scott Lawson thing. Long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he thought, was, I would say maybe 2015. You know when you watch back old games from that sort of time and you're like, no, 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 that can't be right. Mm. The, some of the, I'm sure it was Scott Lawson, some of, some of the Scotland forward pack in that game, some really interesting ones. Gordy Reid, for example. Gordy Reid? Am I, am I possibly getting Gordon Reid and Scott Lawson mixed up? I'm going to just double check that really quickly. Well, Scott Reed Lawson's last game for Scotland in 2018. Yeah, like it, he, it would have been then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Gordy Reid was an all right scrummager, wasn't he? Like, yeah. Um, could have done much worse than him. Seemed like a nice lad as well. Like, uh, I always got good vibes oh, off Gordy Reid. Reed's brilliant. Yeah? Yeah, he's, he's just like all round very good fun. There we go. Mm. There we go. I'm surprised Scott Lawson... Uh, yeah, Scott Lawson came off the yeah. bench in the 2018 Calcutta Cup. Wow. wow. How could you tell him and Nick Grigg on the bench apart? <laughs> <laughs> That's bizarre. But... Do you want great thing on Scott Lawson's Wikipedia page? Very proud of this try. He plays internationally for Scotland. He plays as a hooker. Lawson scored a try during his 12th cap for Scotland in a match against Portugal. He was selected <laughs> for the 2007 World Cup and scored a try against Portugal in Scotland's opening <laughs> match. They mentioned two sentences in a row. They're not, that proud of him. Not that I want to like rub this into any English listeners, right? But I am just looking at the 2018 Calcutta Cup team again because <laughs> I remember doing this because Scotland started putting games up on like the SRU YouTube channel mm. during mm. lockdown. So because you, you had nothing to do, so you could watch a game every Friday night and put up a full game. The Scotland pack 
that beat England in the 2018 Calcutta Cup was starting pack Gordy Reid, Stuart McAnally, Simon Bergen, Grant Gilchrist, Johnny Gray, John Barkley, Hamish Watson, Ryan Wilson. So that's a starting pack, including Gordy Reid, Simon Bergen, uh, and Ryan Wilson. Simon Bergen. Mm, And then the replacements, Scott Lawson, Jamie Batty, WP Nell, Tim Swinson, and David Denton. Wow. That that is the Scotland pack that that won us the Calcutta Cup in 2018. (laughs) I remember David Denton having... Like a four-game Scotland career where he looked no, great and then went off the boil He was he. I, I loved and then, him, and he had a brilliant nickname. He used to get called Dildo Dave because he had hands like dildos. He couldn't catch. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like Rob Dewey, as you can't mention. Yeah, yeah. You don't shut up about it. <laughs> his one of those players who was his name explained why he dropped the ball all the time because his hands were always Dewey. <laughs> oh. I always thought this is his pity laugh. rob the shakes (laughs) so next thing that happens in the game is the scott have this kind of a little bit of an attack right and then they give the ball to dan parks who then does a crossfield kick to scott lawson who stood on the wing and he then does this sliding finish in the corner and uh he scores this try which we've not mentioned yet because this is wikipedia page uh it's a bit it's a bit enjoy it um enjoy also have around this time the glory of Portugal. Right? So they score a try and the commentator then says, oh, they're celebrating like they've won the World Cup. I was like, well, for them, leave it out. Yeah, like they weren't yeah. expecting to be anywhere near here. And you're, they've just scored playing, against a tier one nation. Yeah, you're playing what is on paper a tier one nation and you've just scored a try. Like, of course you're happy. They've won no, something no in the World Cup. No one's going to remember 2007 Scotland had how dog shit they were, but they will remember... <laughs> If you looked at the papers, they would say they're a tier one nation and you scored a try. So no wonder you're happy. And you know what? Nice try. Like, it was well constructed. It was a good try. Kept kept it in the forward for a little bit. And then Pinto at 10 does this this beautiful offload to Carvalho, who times his run perfectly. And it's a good finish by Carvalho. against lovely. You know, and like, that is... probably one of the highlights of his career and it's brilliant that they had that and i'm especially glad that they scored in the first half so they had that that thing that happens in world cups where they they like set up the illusion of the match being closer than it actually is (laughs) and there is some very evident proof of this game not being close that happens one minute after this try but Mm. it's great they get their moment of celebration and the portuguese flags in the crowd are waving so hard i love it i think that the commentator says something like that's really set this match on edge or like that's turned this game on its head or something like that when it's like fucking like 21-7 or something. And and Scotland, as much as they only have three years, are in like probably two and a half at that point. They can can go a little bit higher if they need to. Like there's no doubt at any point that Scotland are going to lose this. Like even Scotland, it's that level of comprehensive. And yeah, Yeah. yeah, you you end up with that question being asked. Purely obligatory, Lily. The commentator also clearly doesn't understand the bonus point system. Oh, really? And after the sixth try, says you've got to imagine they've got the bonus point by now. Um, <laughs> Maybe he clearly... was just predicting the New Zealand system that they started using mm. last year. Maybe he's yeah. it for the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I imagine what he's done is he's written in his notes like something tries a bonus point and he can't make out whether he wrote four, five, yeah. six, whatever. <laughs> he's just got a scribble in there. So clearly, his handwriting's terrible. Why Michael Checker was commentating? 
<laughs> it's a joke that make more sense when we cover 2015. Yeah, um, yeah. Come back in a few years yeah. to get that punchline. <laughs> Laying that up for like three years' time. People will listen back and be like, oh, how oh, that was good. Yeah, yeah. I get it now. So the, the kickoff that happens uh, off the back of this, uh, I kind of just have written, what the fuck, lads? <laughs> Rob Dewey catches kickoff and runs the whole way. No one cares. Um <laughs> So Scotland kick off, and it's a, it's extremely like seven style try that you occasionally see, where yeah. just somebody catches their own kick off, and then it's like, oh right, well there's not really a second line of defence to stop you now. Like you've <laughs> you've kind of got past what we thought was going to happen, <coughs> and yeah, Dewey just catches the kick off, and just all the Portuguese defenders go, what? No, I didn't realise you could do that. Um, and he just <laughs> so scores. He's caught that, and then Steve's all school. Yeah, well of course he has. Like, yeah, what are you meant to do. Oh, but fuck. the thing is, so the the real reasoning behind that is because the Portuguese coaching staff had received advice from a guy called Johnny McGinty before the game, and he had said that Rob Dewey is incapable of catching the ball. And then when <laughs> it actually happened, they were like, oh, what the fuck? We, we were advised this wouldn't happen. And they all I fell off tackle. Like sure and Land Rover outside my window. <laughs> <laughs> it's got orange tyres on it. <laughs> Those fucking gloves, man, honestly. <laughs> Imagine being strangled by those orange gloves. <laughs> those those orange the gloves. Bleakest way to die. Those orange gloves have put downward pressure on a ball to score a try in a rugby world cup. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Se- uh, several tries because I think um, yeah. Rory Lamont wore them as well. Oh yep. my god! Oh my god! Both Lamont too much. Hugo and Southwell, Southwell. Another yeah. reason to hate him. I also I really enjoy so there's huge jug avoidance energy from Rory Lamont in this game when he scores a third <laughs> try and uh, it gets disallowed then he spends the entire rest of the game looking pissed off about it and like clearly either trying to go himself or set himself up in like some kind of area where he can be the next person to score but nope he's still getting done for jug avoidance yep and fucking right too he deserves it yeah <laughs> do, do you know what it is about Hugo Southall by the way you know, like American teen movies where the baddies are like the ruin team and they, all, they always have like a crew neck <laughs> yes. tied around their neck. That's fucking Hugo Southwell. Yes, that's absolutely it. He's like that <laughs> if they couldn't catch. <laughs> Becomes Hugo Southwell. Bloody Hugo. He's got massive posh boy energy. There you went. Yeah, yeah he went to a prep school. It's the sort school. of name that the fucking prep school Coxless Pears Roars have got as well. Yeah. He's got a bla- he's got a blue blazer with gold buttons on it, and he ties a crew neck around his neck. That's that's fucking Hugo Southwell, the ruined team baddie from a team film. He, I mean, bloody went to a prep school, went to a posh like, <laughs> went to a boarding school. Bloody, yeah, he was co. Oh, who gives a shit about the fucking Hugo the fucking the Winklevoss career. twins from the Social Network? Yeah, film. yeah, yeah. That is Hugo Southwell. Hugo Southwell to me is Army Hammer. Like, he is, as far as I'm concerned, he is a cannibal. <laughs> I've decided this now. This With, is, look, it's it all makes so much more sense. It's canon podcast universe. Now, Hugo, Hugo Southwell is a, look, ca- a cannibal. in the second half, when he scores, and he's like, I wanted the bit of meat. No one <laughs> he was literally taking a bite out of David Mateus. <laughs> Speaking of um, making mincemeat out of humans... Um, can we just quickly Excellent address? Segue. Yes, can we quickly just address Pinto sending Mike Blair absolutely flying at a scrum? Yeah. Oh yeah. What yeah, a yeah. shit house move. Yeah, it's incredible. It's what I love about it. Right, is 
The Scotland scrum absolutely mullers the Portuguese one. And Steve Walsh looks at it, goes, I can't be asked to like pick out my penalty from there. So he penalises the nine instead. But then, right, so because Mike Blair's lying on the floor, Sean Lamont runs in to play scrum half. Does he? <laughs> and the scrum. He runs in and like literally is like has his hands on the number eight's back to get the ball out. You think and well, you can't do that. You're now offside. Well, no, I think he's been inspired by the Canadian 10-man scrum of, of 1987. <laughs> I think that clearly he's been revising his Rugby World Cup tactics. He is desperate, desperate to get a part in the Revenant 2. Yeah, exactly. The, um, the only thing... Okay, there's there's maybe two or three things that, that are in my notes that, that you would tangentially say are like eh, tactically or technically related to rugby in any way. Uh, but one of them, considering this was only 50 years ago, just says scrum engagements, fucking hell. Like, yeah, they just launch at each other. And like, again, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> they do the slow-mo of it. And you can very clearly tell that Scotland are going on N and Portugal are going on gauge with it being uh. two syllables. And you can see it on on the slow-mo. Like, they've very clearly got different timings and they just end up flying into each other at different speeds. Yeah. And I think I think is a, I think it might be Rui Cordero who just stands up in a scrum. And <laughs> like, like, it gets to... I think I think Steve must have said N and Cordero stands up and it gets to gauge and the Scottish Rover just piles into him. <laughs> like, it's fucking wild. The commentators had a really weird time with Cordero. He keeps saying, like, oh, he's clearly scrummaging very illegally. Uh, yeah. He's given, like, trying to give really, like, in-depth scrummaging advice to this international prop. And it's clearly not going in. Yeah. And, like, when you think about it, in, like, in 15 years of difference, when we engage in a scrum nowadays, you get, you get the scrum engagement call from the ref and you're basically holding onto each other's armpit and then leading forwards. Whereas on the touch in the 2007 World Cup, they're basically going fingertip to fingertip at arm's length, and then he goes engaged, and you just go <laughs> as fast as you fucking can. Like, it's so dangerous. I, I noticed that yeah. you and Murray didn't bother doing the touch on the touch pause engage. Oh, really? It's just like, well, what's the point? Like, I might as well just stay in position and then just, like, I'm not going to get penalised for it. I might get told to do it, at which point I will. Like, yeah. a lot of the times you just didn't bother doing it. And it's like, fair enough. Like, it's pointless. My, my, Outstanding memory of Ewan Murray is that he was always technically a fantastic scrummager. Mm-hmm. And and like much in the same way as the like Xander Fagerson does for Scotland nowadays, he'll just do what he wants to do for the first couple of scrums. And if he gets pinged, he'll start doing what he's told. Yeah. But like he starts off just going, fuck, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I always do, and if I can get away with it, I'll get away with it. And if he yeah. and like you say, if he tells me to start with the touch, I'll do it. But yeah. he was like he was always a great, like technically a brilliant scrummager. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Scott Murray scores a not try, gets disallowed, there's a knock on, and then it's half time and we get to the Bank of New Zealand half time rap. <laughs> n- not, not, not to be confused with the Bundaberg half time rap. Very different things. And they have New Zealand lock James Ryan, not that James Ryan, and Andrew Merton sat in there. And they have, during this half time period, they're sat with a glass table with, on it, a ball, and what I can only assume is a waffle iron. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing how even that James Ryan's punditry isn't as good as Adam Beard's would have been. Mm. <laughs> Anyone Island. with that name, it's just it must it must just be in the name, just how how much worse they are than anyone. Like it's worse than the former Welsh fitness coach Adam Beard. 
is worth. That was the old rivalry. Than, yeah, yeah. Always better than that. About. James Ryan right. versus Adam Beard one point zero. You're they're going around like, oh, I've been saying Adam Beard's better than James Ryan for years. You're just talking about different players. <laughs> yeah, it's a different one. Different one. Totally Why did they have a waffle iron on their table? Do you reckon? Well, because they're yeah. all waffling on. Uh, oh, he's the cook it properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was such a brother like compliment slash insult. That was pretty good for you. <laughs> Accomplice. I'm pretty sure that I just had a message from my brother telling me that he's going to wait to work at UC Berkeley for a year, so he's oh. clearly the fucking better one. <laughs> what a dick. I've got a three month visiting scholarship at UC Berkeley at the end of this year. Oh, wow. Fuck off, you dick. Do you know what he does? <laughs> Social anthropology. It's not even a, like, it's not even a real that's, thing. That's just some words. Those yeah, words exactly. seem to contradict he's each other somehow. Words that yeah. sound clever together. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he, so he's like a proper punk, like anti capitalist, anarchist, right. fucking all that shit. He's, cur- he's, he's a boondoggling wanker, right? He's currently in Madrid studying anarchist squats in Spain for part of his PhD and then he's going to UC Berkeley to do a scholarship right it's bullshit and I pointed out to him that the only thing you could do with a career in social anthropology is make Coca-Cola adverts more effective and he really (laughs) didn't like it (laughs) so I'm going to continue to do stuff like that until he fucks off and stops telling me about all this amazing stuff he's doing (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I've like totally derailed you by being annoyed. No, 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 no. Not, Whereas, a, not a chance. We, <laughs> we exist to be derailed. The great way to do this is just hire your brother and he can never say anything against you again because you can just fire him. It's so he, um, he has a first from St. Andrews, right? As I said, wow. again, he's a wanker. Um, but he, al- he also was at Dundee and at Edinburgh before that, trying like real degrees before he realised mm. that he could he could just do a made up one and the year that he, he graduated and everyone was making a big deal of him we were having Christmas dinner and everyone was like oh and Luke got his first from St Andrews looking and so because he'd been at Dundee and Edinburgh before that I said yeah but I mean if I turned off Gran Turismo every time I wasn't winning and just kept restarting it till I won it's basically <laughs> the same thing and my mum was fucking furious even though she doesn't know what Gran Turismo is <laughs> Oh, but she's into it now. She's having to spike <laughs> yeah, play it. She's had to go. She's had to go and find it. <laughs> I just want to race her Gran Turismo without restarting any times, Johnny. How do you feel? <laughs> Fuck off, mum. This has got like Celebrating this is weird. No, no, no. You've got a lot of family issues to get through. Clearly, and, um, yeah, you've come on a family I, podcast. I thought that like our pods got weird, but this has got really weird. And and it's not even you. It's just me. I've just gone weird all on my own. So tell us you... about your mother. <laughs> so usually on the Scottish Rugby Pod, we've got like five of you there. So eventually Cammy has to shut you up uh, and make somebody else speak. Where is he? Yeah. Not a yeah, the, the host voice sabbatical. we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the highlight of Cammy's sabbatical has been that like John just isn't capable of doing that because he just likes joining in too much. And so it's gone really weird quite a lot recently. Without Cammy there to go... Everyone stop being weird. <laughs> the podcasts have tripled in length. <laughs> yeah, they actually almost have. So, like, there's been a couple of weeks where it's been just me and John, and I've said to my wife, like, oh, it's just me and John this week, so it'll be a short one. She goes, yeah, yeah. And then, like, two and a half hours later, I'm like, yeah, that, that got weirdly out of hand. <laughs> so we start the second half. I mean, the, fir- the first thing I've noticed from the second half is that Ferreira, the Portuguese hooker, loses his contact lenses twice in the first five oh, minutes. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I saw one of the, I think, I can't remember who it was, one of the Scotland forwards uh, having to replace his contacts as well. 
Oh wow, wow. yeah. So uh, I think it might have been Scott Murray actually. Yeah, like two, like two contact lens replacements very very early. Yeah, yeah. You can see what exciting game this is. <laughs> talking about <laughs> talking about contact lens replacements. However, there is then a point where Carvalho, the, the winger who previously scored, gets an intercept, runs oh. the distance. Oh, I felt so sorry for him. Steve Walsh. He. Bloody Steve it, Steve. Let him score it. Don't penalise him for being offside. We're playing Steve rules, and he penalises that. That's unacceptable from Steve. That's ridiculous. Like, he is offside, but who cares? Yeah, that's not what matters, is it? And he goes the whole way and is absolutely buzzing. And he he celebrates the try, the lot of it. He has his mates celebrate with him. And the the interesting thing for me is when he runs it in, the crowd are all booing. And he must have thought, like, oh, yeah, fuck you all. I'm going to score this anyway. Like, I don't see why you're booing me. I'm the hero now. (laughs) Why are Um, you booing? I'm right. Yeah. And then he realises they're booing because they're actually being supportive. And he's absolutely fuming at Steve Walsh. Yeah. Takes him a long time to realise as well. Like, he celebrates. He gets up, continues celebrating. Continues celebrating some more. His teammates come and celebrate with him. And it's only eventually once he realises no one else has come back. Like, none of the Scottish players are headed back. Nothing that he heads back. Yeah. Gutted for him. Yeah, horrible moment. If Steve Walsh wasn't so goddamn handsome, he would be cons- flirting with Dick of the Day territory there. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, he is so goddamn handsome. Uva then, in response, makes a break from um, a 22 dropout, which is pretty fun, where like one of the Uvas takes the dropout and offloads to one of the other Uvas, who then offloads to the other Uva, and it's great. <laughs> They're all in, all in unison. It's proper rugby value shit there. Uva of Uvas. Nice. See, that's a good one. <laughs> this is this is this is why you're here, Johnny. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but the the other weird thing that happens, Dan Park scores a try. Yeah, that is a weird thing to happen. You're right. Yeah, a try where he's nowhere near contact. That is it. Like it is the world's biggest gap. So he goes, "Oh, I can run a half line." I'm pretty sure if I run this line, no one's going to tackle me. So that someone finally. Running onto the ball as they take it, and it's Dan Parks. End yes. to no contact. Yeah. yeah, he is Australian in fairness, isn't he? So yeah, uh, it does add up that he might be the one to eventually run onto the ball. But yeah, it's really weird because they set up like a modern day forward pod where you've got like, you know, a head carrier and then a tip online. Except instead of being two forwards, it's Simon Webster and Dan Parks. <laughs> But you can see how this caught on. Like, if those two can break the line playing that, then, you know, high-level forwards who are not only massive but really good at handling the ball will be able to do that. So, clearly, this is where Eddie Jones or, you know, whatever high-level coaches are watching this will have gone, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. That will catch on. Yeah, who did it? Robbie, who did invent pods? I'm trying to to think. You were sort of... Yeah, sort of... Like, started sort of in New Zealand, but also there's a bunch of stuff. It's, It's a weird... A lot of things sort of converged around in that sort of 2013, 14 ish. Yeah, yeah. It's an odd one. It's sort of a lot of like different ideas sort of came together. And I think it's the All Blacks were often like way. They kind of invented having skillful right. forward packs, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's where it must have originated. <laughs> and so I feel like, like Do you know what's better than one skilled forward? Three skilled forwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm not sure if there was one point, as you say, where like it kind of like became popularized. I think it was a gradual thing, wasn't it? And then having like tens running out the back of that was like, whoa, that's next level. <laughs> but Dan Parks did quite the opposite of that. So yeah. yeah, it's much like his 
I mean, he the I I had a segue in my head and it disappeared the moment I had it. Well, I was just going to mention his drink driving. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot. Do you remember that? that? Yeah, that was a good one. Where he again in one of these things I came across when looking around the game earlier today was that Glasgow considered terminating his contract, but instead said after he was done for drink driving, having three times the legal limit in his body when he was driving. Instead, Glasgow said, we'll continue your contract on on the condition that you come in by train. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't like, be a problem since they're taking my license away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no Although shit. that said, one of the other boys can't give him a lift. He has to no. come by the train. Yeah. Has to get the train. Has to get the train. Bit of a problem at the minute, but hey, Sean Lanine wasn't a no. Yeah. <laughs> There's Hugo Southall scores, as you say. Bloody, Again, let's it's... move on. Kelly <laughs> Brown scores shortly afterwards. Yeah. Um, I, I love the like totally, un- well, it's not unfounded, but just like totally random hate that you've got for Hugo Southall. <laughs> yeah, I've always had it. It's been long term. I remember one day watching a game and not realizing you time for Wasps and being so angry I had to watch Hugo Southall now. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just glad he's retired. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad I'm only going to have like five games of him in this World Cup and then we're done with him. I never need to look at his face again. Did he play in 2003? I don't care. I don't think so. Okay. If 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 he did, like from now on, we erase him. So it's just an invisible player um, who is like scoring tries or whatever. Like, you know, on the 2011 Rugby World Cup game, when you a player gets yellow carded and you sub them off and it replaces them with an invisible player for yes. the 10 minutes. That's that's what Hugo Southall is. It's just that's a play- not a relatable reference, by the way. It's not a very it's not. specific re- glitch. Um, but like I know you would get it. Video game. You would, would get, get it, it, and you're the other person hosting this podcast. So it's like player not found scored a try. There we go. Uh, no, Hugo Southall tries not very nice. Play in the 2003 World Cup. Okay. Hey. Thank you. Our fullbacks in 2003 were Chris Patterson and Glenn Metcalf. Jesus. Kelly Brown scores. Kelly Brown's try is good. Yeah. Lament has a bit of a run, pops it off the floor. Kelly Brown does a nice step and scores. He the commentator says it's a try for the substitute and has a moment to look at his team sheet. Yeah. He's not wrong. It was a try and it was by a substitute. Um, <laughs> Portugal nearly score another absolute blinder. Oh, it yes. would have been incredible. Yes. Where Pinto like does this little delayed pass where he goes for a bit of a half gap and then threads it through to one of the replacements who I'm now going to need to check the name of. It was Lavala, is what he said, but there is not a player called Lavala in the squad. Porteo? So, yes, I think it was Porteo. Yeah. Porteo, um, who came off the wing, who came off the bench on the wing and has a great little run down the wing. Steps inside two men. Was he... Was he was the commentator mixing up his team sheet with the USA? I think that's week? very probable. But Scolavala didn't play in that game. He did play. Did he? Yeah. I thought he didn't. Anyway, who cares? Anyway, he, that's <laughs> probably what happened. That's probably what happened. But then that bastard Chris Patterson makes a try saving tackle on him on what would have been like one of my favourite tries of the World Cup and would be yeah. one that let's be honest Rugby World Cup would share to this day where it's like oh remember the yes. time when Portugal did this? Um, <laughs> but Chris Patterson just hates fun. Correct. That's a, that is a stone solid fact. I'll tell you right now, based on basically nothing, that I do not think Chris <laughs> Patterson likes fun. Yeah, he just kicks penalties all the time and kicking Rhodes rugby, famously. So, yeah. yeah, Ross Ford scores. What? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Six <laughs> out of ten tried. Yeah, bizarre try, bizarre try where Scotland spread it wide. Sean Lamont clearly drops the ball and then does that thing where he styles it out. I was like, oh no, I was actually going to yeah. kick it, and it turns out being a really good kick. Yes. 
bizarre way to score, and then Ross it somehow bounces into Ross Ford's hands, and he jumps over the reverse scrum off Pizalia and scores. Also, he, the man he jumps over is the first Rugby World Cup player with the word piss in his name that I can think of. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. I've I've been massively distracted by two thousand and three World Cup squads as well. <laughs> <laughs> Who stands out? The Scotland squad is uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, Simon Danielli, obviously. Oh, obviously. oh wow. yes. What a weird and stretched out career he has. Some, uh, the Scotland's wingers of the 2003 World Cup were um, Simon Danielli, Kerry Logan and Nicky Walker. Wow. That's a weird blend of players. That's an odd combination, yeah. Mm. Wow. Because that with Ross Ford scores in the 76th minute, right? And shortly after this, we get to the conversations, the inevitable conversations about Man of the Match, as we shall ourselves in just a moment. But first, the commentator steps in with one of those unbelievable moments of accidental partridge I've heard in a long time. <laughs> so this is, I've got three clips. The first is him about a couple minutes before they name the, before they name the thing. I've got three clips. First, uh, you know, a few minutes before Man of the Match is named. I'm assuming that uh, Rory Lamont has been named Man of the Match. Not quite yet. We're anticipating that. The, the announcement was the attendance, which is just like... Then, right, a minute or so later, he brings up again. He turns to his co-commentator, David Soul of Caving in Edinburgh, and asks... Would Rory be your man of the match today? Oh, I think so. He's been in the heart of everything at uh, Scotland have done as good. He's very secure under the high ball, two great tries. And he, uh, you know, he's just such a strong and powerful runner. So having asked both of his colleagues, both of his colleagues, like... Rory Lamb is definitely man of the match, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's nailed on. Like, that's 100% who we'd all go for, right? And if you picked anybody else, you would be daft, is essentially what he says. He then says... Well, I've just got some slightly surprising news regarding oh. the man of the... This is the, the pitch side person who then chimes in. And it hasn't gone to Rory Lamont. The vote has, in fact, gone to Portugal's captain, Vasco Uva. So, somewhat surprising, maybe a, a bit of a compassionate quote there for the Portugal captain making his debut in the world. Unbelievably partridge. <laughs> Firstly, it's the fact that Vasco Uva gets given man of the match, and it's just like, it's one of those hilarious things that happens in World Cups where it's like, nah, fuck you, Scotland, we're going for someone Portuguese. It's just um, to be in solidarity with them, and that in itself is hilarious. But then him really doubling down and being like, oh no, that's 100% what I would have done, yeah. But the most baffling thing is that he insinuates that the entire time through the commentary of this game, they've just had like a small picture of Rory Lamont like framed that's just sat on their commentary booth. <laughs> that actually the reason I was thinking of Rory Lamont was that I was, was looking at a picture of him. of him. And momentarily he was the only rugby player I could think of. <laughs> that happened three times that he was like, oh yeah, by the way, Rory Lamont, it's probably the best player, he says, as he's staring at his photo of him. Which probably explains yeah. the whole thing, if he's keeping photos of Roy Lamont in his wallet. <laughs> the weird thing is that until I watched this game on Wednesday, I've just always kind of been 
under the impression that the commentary team chooses the man of the match? Yeah, well, it was, I suppose it must have been the home broadcaster. Or no, it was uh, a lot of the time in the 2011 and 2015 World Cups, they had fan votes where they'd suggest a handful of players and then the fans voted them in the last 10 minutes. That's a um, fucking awful which, idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the amount of tier two second rows that ended up somehow becoming oh, man yeah, of the match. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it was completely unanimous that Marius Tinku got man of the match. Like, in, in like, every most game Romania games. played. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember the Heinz Cole World in the squads, by the way, now. Oh, how's Fuck that you. going? Not well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of games where Marius Tinku was man of the match, that game against Scotland for Romania. <laughs> mm, yeah. Banger. Banger. It's an interesting, there's some interesting forwards. Sorry. Do you know what? I'll come Please. back when you're doing okay. 2011 because... We've already done it, mate. We've already done it. Oh, fuck's sake, so you have. And everyone, that case, I've <laughs> seen it. Scotland's forward pack in 2011 was pretty good and then the back line was fucking terrifying. Graham <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Morrison wanna, needs to work a centre pairing. We'll, we'll start from the scrum halves, right, which is where it's good. So bearing in mind that I've just said scrum halves are where it's good. Chris Cusseter, Rory Lawson, Rory Jackson, Dan Parks, Joe Ansborough, Nick DeLuca, Graham Morrison, Simon Danielli, Max Evans, Sean Lamont, Rory Lamont, Chris Patterson. Holy fucking Christ. That is terrifying. <laughs> I don't remember Rory You could have got a game in that back line. The handling's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have had the commitment to smash my head open against Al Strokosh, though, so I couldn't have, <laughs> I couldn't have had... Uh, hey, hey! At least Rob Dewey wasn't there, right? <laughs> Rob Dewey, who I have nothing against, and absolutely mm. will not be looking over my shoulder for for the rest of my life. It's exactly what I had something against him, but lived far <laughs> down the road of him would say. Should we do man of the match and dick of the day and everything then? Please, let's. let's okay, do which do you want to start with? Well, well, everyone already match. knows who everyone's dick of the day is. Okay, <laughs> well, Robbie, you're about to pick your man of the match, and I would quickly like to invite you to just look at your phone, because I've just sent you a photo. <laughs> you have sent me... <laughs> so who's your Sorry, man of the match, Robbie? Who's man of the match? Who's man of the match? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Get on with it. Who's well, man of the match? obviously, I think the man of the match is going to be Gavin Kerr, because uh, <laughs> I've just seen a picture of him. Um... <laughs> Well, why do you think that then? Why do you think that? What's what about him? Well, um, I think there's some power. He was really in in everywhere. I think you'll choose him as man of the match. Um, mm, inevitably, I think we both will. Um, I think we both so, who will. is your man of the match? Well, I've got some. I've got some news for you. Okay, my man of the match is not, in fact, Gavin Kerr. I'm not currently looking at a picture of him, so that that really helps. But my man of the match is, in fact, um, I don't know, this guy. Scott Lawson. That's who I said as well. You know, I agree with that, actually. I think <laughs> Scott Lawson was excellent. And I think if not for him, Scotland would have scored fewer than the 40, 56 points that they scored in this game. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Scott well, Lawson. That, that's categorically right because he did score a try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is correct. And also, just I just was so surprised by him. Like, yeah. I want to celebrate his performance in this game because I'm not being all bloody woke picking front rowers as men the match. But yeah, no, I thought he was great. Bloody like, women next, am I right? Yeah, there we go. So he was he was offloading. He was catching crossfield kicks. He was he was brilliant. I and like 
it's too easy to pick the guy who scored two tries and then right. jug avoided his way to, for the rest yeah. of the game. And, <laughs> and, and if I was looking at a picture of him, maybe I would have picked him. It's also way too easy to lo- to pick the captain of the team who have lost 56-10 yeah. as well. Like, that's such an obvious yeah. selection. Yeah, obvious like, come thing, on. So we've got, what, two two votes for Lawson and one vote for Kurt. Hey, that's it wrapped up. L- let me tell you, no. We've got three votes for Scott Lawson because I yeah. agree completely. <laughs> Unanimous. Player of the tournament. We've got player of the tournament contender now, Scott Lawson with hair. (laughs) It's happening. It's happening. Important distinction. Scott Lawson with hair, the prototype prototype Cody Taylor is our unanimous (laughs) fan of the match. There we go. That rarely happens. I did not expect that to happen today. Scott Lawson steps up into the the leading contender so far, the leader on the leaderboard <laughs> for player of the tournament, moving ahead of George Creek and Rocky Elsom <laughs> and Richie McCaw, who now fall into a joint second place behind Scott Lawson, as things should be. And I love going that. off going that's off the best thing the, that's happened. Going off how the eighty sevens eventual vote for player of the tournament went, it's gonna be a real tussle at the top <laughs> of that table. Given in 87, Johnny, just so you're aware, player of the tournament was eventually voted to be a Rottweiler. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Dick of the day. Oh, yeah. We've got to pick one of them. So, obviously, I had written down Sean Lamont from the very start. I had that and I did not change from that. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing happened to convince me otherwise. Well, for about 77 minutes of the game, I was in agreement with you. I was just like, oh, yeah, I think it's just going to be Sean Lamont for the shock of blonde hair and the orange gloves. But then Chris Patterson made that try-saving tackle on what would have been an absolute blinder. Oh. So it's obviously Chris Patterson for me. That's anti-vice. Yes. Yeah, Chris that's Patterson, fair. the eventual dick of the tournament in 2011, gets his first vote in 2007 there here. There we go. Uh, which was very unlikely for what a lovely man he seems to be. Yeah. And what a great player but, as well. Yeah. So I think there's two standout contenders. One is Steve Walsh for disallowing that Portuguese try. Yeah. And also for not being as handsome as he would be yet. <laughs> Come on, Steve. Age into your face. But my dick of the day, right? It's Simon Webster, the man who contributed all of the orange clubs. Oh, yeah. You know what? In fairness, if I'd known that that was his fault, I might have voted for him as well. I'm sticking with Sean Lamont because the hair and gloves combo for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was still a choice that Lamont made, up. wasn't it? Yeah. Like, oh. But it's very much like a butterfly effect thing on your Dick of the Day selection is Robbie going for Simon Webster. So I think that's a very smart selection. Yeah. Also dropped a pass at one point. Oh, so, no. you know, rounds it out. He also set up a try for player not found. So, and Dan oh, Parks. No. Like, this is, a, yeah, to be honest, yeah, you're right. His, his list of convictions is endless. <laughs> So, speaking of things that are endless, this podcast is about to leave that <laughs> list because it's felt that. <laughs> but Johnny, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a delight. It's been a pleasure. Where can people find you? Where can people find the podcast? Where can we find everything else? It's uh, it's well, Rob Dewey. By me. when I say people find you, I mean <laughs> yeah. Rob Dewey. Well, I'm not going to tell you where I live because Rob Dewey's on his way. You can find the, <laughs> the podcast on Twitter is uh, at Scott Rugby Pod. Uh, there's also at Scott Rugby Blog, which is the blog. If you like to read things, someone did a really in-depth dive into Scotland's depth at Tighthead, mm. which I learned a lot from. That <laughs> was really helpful. Yeah, so there's loads of stuff out there. Gavin Kerr. <laughs> Gavin Kerr. My Twitter, if you want to hear me be angry about stuff, is at Johnny Forms, J-O-N-N-Y-F-O-R-M-S. I said this to Will when me and him were on Blood and Mud. I have to make myself unfindable on Twitter because I'm a primary school teacher. And some, some of the stuff that I say on Twitter, I wouldn't want 
parents to see. So, so that's why it's that's why it's like a weird unrelated name. But you will find me there. And thank you very much for having me. It's been great. No, thank you for coming on, man. It's been a very long time coming. And I think that in terms of... We we want a lot of uh, chaotic Scottish rugby fans. And I think you very much fit that description. And I'm very glad that you found the other ones of those in doing the podcast, at which you are excellent. So thank you for coming on. It's been long overdue. It has. It's been really good fun. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely come come on for another another World Cup and we can talk about how Scotland still don't come onto the ball at peace. Yes. Do you know what we could do? We could do the fucking 2037 World Cup and we'd be saying the same thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, see you we'll, in 15 years. Yeah, we'll jot it down. We'll see you then. <laughs> Cheers. That, see that again. Right. Thank you very much for doing it. Thank you to everybody who has listened. Thank you to uh, Will as well, I suppose. And please join us next week when we will be joined by Jared Wright of the Rugby Bits podcast and of Planet Rugby to look at South Africa against Samoa. We'll see how that goes. Will the Springboks do okay in the 2007 World Cup? I've got no idea. Only one way Um, to find out. We'll see you then for that. Until then, goodbye, good night, and have a lovely week. Bye. Have care. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.